never really, you know, just his his sister is fearful about quite a few things, uh, but he's never shown any fear. Like he'll just jump in on anything. Uh, you know, at night he's never been afraid. But some, I don't know what happened. About two weeks ago, um, he started coming into our bedroom at night after you know he'd been in bed for maybe a half hour. Uh, just kind of out of the blue, and it's been going on for about two weeks, and he's come into the room visibly trembling uh, and scared, and, and it's monsters. Uh, so he has somehow, uh, in his head, learned what monsters are and uh, is scared every night. And so he'll come in terrified of monsters, and uh, I'll spend maybe five minutes with him. I don't know if you ever remember this as a kid, this, that feeling, I did not remember it until I felt literally, I put my hand on his chest and I felt his heart beating like a thousand beats a minute. And it took me back to when I was a kid uh, and experiencing those things. Uh, And I'll I'll spend five minutes with him trying to, you know, talk him down about how monsters don't exist. Uh, And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm new to this, so I've never done this with a son before. So I'm trying to figure out... How do I, mostly I want to go back to sleep, so <laughs> I also want to teach my son, uh, but how do, I get, how do I impart to him courage to go back into his room? Uh, and it's, it's interesting, about, about, about half the time I'll see him, uh, you know, regroup and go back to his room, but the other half of the time, uh, he the words that I have to say will not calm him down and he's terrified. And so he ends up sleeping with us or either with us in the bed or on the floor for the rest of the night. Cause, uh, when he is, when he is with us, that's really the only com- comfort, uh, that, that will, uh, help him go back to sleep. And it's, it's interesting. I can actually literally, while he's laying next to me, I can, I, as we lay there going to sleep together, I can, feel his heartbeat, the rate of his heartbeat just decrease. And then I, then I, then I sense him fall asleep next to me. Uh, the other day I, uh, he had to go upstairs. He's actually scared of going upstairs as well. Uh, I don't know what it is about upstairs, but, uh, he didn't want to go up and I said, you got to go up. (laughs) He grabbed his plastic sword and I told him, you know, one of the things I'm trying to communicate to him is if Jesus is with you, you don't have to fear anything. Uh, and I, I saw him grab that sword, and I heard him. And I was so proud of him walking up the steps. He was saying, Jesus, be with me. <laughs> <laughs> so I was... But I want to ask you this morning, do you, you know, think back. For me, it was wolves. I don't know why it was wolves, but think back to those moments where, I mean, I, I remember, like, almost being, just my body becoming paralyzed for fear. Um... It's something that, I mean, it wasn't even a rational thing, uh, but it would just come over me. Um, Matthew ten twenty eight, And do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. I like this verse because it gives us kind of two different principles. I think you can pull two different kingdom principles out of this verse about fear. The 
Number one, as the children of God, as, as men of God, as sons of God, um, we don't fear anything in this world uh, that would come against us or our families uh, or our church. We have no fear of the enemy. Nothing that can come against our physical bodies uh, or against those that we love. Uh, that's a pretty phenomenal thing when you think about the world today uh, to, be, to, to, to have the understanding that because of who God is, we fear nothing. And then the, principle, the second part of this, is it, the second principle that I would pull from this is that as the children of God, as the sons of God, as men of God, we are called to have an awesome, healthy fear of God. There's two parts to this. And I believe that as men, specifically, God has, has created us to take hold of fear in a particular way as men. Uh, as the heads of our families, uh, as those discipling others, as those leading the work in the church. Specifically, God has t- called us to take hold of fear, to conquer fear, and to walk righteously in fear. And so this means that as men, first of all, we're called to harness fear. We're called to have a relationship with God in which we allow Him to create courageous hearts inside of us. That when the enemy comes, when difficult times come, our hearts respond in courage. And we're called to be men that impart courage to other people. There's going to be times where people around us do not have courage. There's going to be times when our wives are fearful. There's times when our kids are fearful. Uh, And it's one thing to be courageous in a situation, but it's another thing to be able to impart courage to other people to do the things, to face the fears that God has called us to face uh, in being his people uh, in the earth. And then second, God has called us to be men who have a genuine, that walk in a genuine, tangible fear of God. I love the Psalms, uh, the poetry that we see in the Psalms. Um, this, is, this is inspired poetry. And one of the things that, that Dad has talked about in our teachings on Saturday night is that the Psalms, they, they convey ideas to our minds, but something that's unique about poetry and, and songs is they... They impart truth. They impart righteousness to us in a, in, a, in a deep kind of holistic way. Not just to our minds, but to our spirits, to our souls. 
um, to our emotions, to everything that we are as men. The Psalms kind of, if you read them and you allow them to instruct you, they shape who you are. Not just what you think, but how you respond in situations. And so what I wanted to do this morning is I wanted to look at the idea of fear in the Psalms, and specifically about those two ideas. One, what do we not fear? And then two, what have we been called to fear as men? Psalms are full of some awesome things about fear that I want to share with you this morning. And uh, just as a side note, yeah, this is kind of, uh, I, I haven't been studying this for, you know, 20 years and half my life. So this is going to be kind of, this is going to be kind of a shallow look. And I'm, I'm sure there's some things that you've seen uh, that I didn't pick up because I really just studied this for about a week. So at the end, if you've got thoughts, I'd like you to share them with us as a group. Uh, but then too, I was just going to say, this is something that every man in this room should be able to do. What I'm doing right here in front of you, this is Matt Henderson, one of the, one of the brothers, one of the members of the church. We're going through the book of Psalms in our, in our services, and I just grabbed an idea of fear. And, and it's an idea that we didn't have a sermon on, but it's, it's an idea that kind of is, is in the scripture that we're reading. You should be able to do this. You should be able to grab an idea, study it, and then, and then bring it to your home group or bring it you know, to your pastor and say, hey, listen, I want to share this with everybody because I've got some good stuff out of here, okay? The reason I'm saying that is, you know, I'm no professional at what we're doing right here. This is easy. Anyone can do this. And we need you uh, to be inspired by God and who you are as a person to bring the word of God. That's just a side note. Okay. All right. So let's jump in. Um, the Psalms are obviously full about admonitions of things that we don't fear. Probably the most well-known, uh, can anybody guess the, the verse that I'm going to kick us off with? The most well-known verse about fear? Anybody guess? What's that? Yes. All right, there you go. In Psalms 23, it says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. The valley of the shadow of death. As you read through the Psalms, you, you run across uh, men uh, writing uh, in the face of all kinds of dangers, uh, facing terrible situations, much worse than we'll ever face, you know, situations where it appears that everything is lost, situations where the enemy, you know, the enemy armies have surrounded guys and there is no way out, situations where men are facing uh, combat where, where the opposition is stronger than them. They have no way in, in the physical realm, they have no way of succeeding in the situation that they are in. They are faced with certain doom. Uh, the phrase, the valley of the shadow of death. I love it. It's an awesome, it's an awesome image when you think about it. The valley of of the shadow of death, because it really can conveys this idea that you are at your lowest low. You're you're in this valley, right, and and separated, right. God is always shown as being on the mountaintop on Zion, right. And here you are, you are in a valley, separated. You feel as if you are separated from God, 
and you are in the shadow of death. You are so close to death that its shadow is covering over you. This idea uh, of no escape, of certain death, uh, of certain destruction. And what this psalm tells us is that even in this situation, when David felt that there was no way of escape, he didn't have fear. He was confident. And the reason that he was confident is that God was with him. He knew that God was with him. And that is where David received courage in a situation that really had no hope. Uh, that idea of when you're in the presence of God, you are strengthened by knowing that he is with you and he can conquer that situation. It reminded me of Tucker when he is, when he is with me. You know, whatever that idea is inside of his head, it is so terrifying. Being in the presence of his father, uh, there is a strength that gives him courage to face the situation. I have all these verses written down, so you can write them down if you want, but also I can send them to you later if you, if you want them. In Psalms 27, we see a very similar situation. Let's start at the beginning. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to eat up my flesh, my adversaries and foes, it is they who stumble and fall. Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war arise against me, yet I will be confident. So again, you see this description of another hopeless situation. But the clear word of the Lord here is that because the Lord is our stronghold, because God is our strength in this situation, we don't have to fear. The out- outcome of this situation is not based on your ability to overcome what you are faced with. The reality of the situation is you have a loving father uh, who has ultimate power and authority over the situation. And, it, and in any situation that seems doomed or difficult or fearful to you, your heavenly Father being with you is what you need to focus on to be a man of good courage. I think it's interesting here in verse 3 it says, My heart shall not fear. Uh, and the point that I wanted to, to make here in Psalm 27 is that the heart is the seat of fear. It's the heart that takes courage. So it is, it's not really uh, a situation of needing wisdom uh, or understanding. I think there are some times when you might have fears that are illogical or unfounded, and, and if you get your mind in the right place, you can face those. But at the end of the day, 
There are going to be things that we face that no matter how much we rationalize that situation, we still have to face it. And in those situations, it is the heart. It is the heart that is either full of fear or full of courage. And this is what God wants to minister uh, to his sons, to his, his warriors that he has put uh, in place to establish his kingdom in the earth. He wants our hearts to be full of courage and strength. Think about some of the men in the Old Testament. I wrote down some of them. Abraham had to leave his home. Jacob, remember he had to face Esau. Remember that scene when Esau's coming, Jacob has to face Esau. Joseph has to go before Pharaoh and either interpret his dream or, or die. Moses, again, faces Pharaoh. Joshua faces the enemies of God in battle. Gideon had to face the Midianites. And the classic example is David facing Goliath. All these men had courage in their hearts to do the work that God had called them to do. And the engine, I think, of that courage is faith. Faith. Faith in God to be who he is, to be your father in those situations. Faith is the thing that causes courage to arise in your hearts. So um, just, to, just to recap that, number one, God has called us to be men who are courageous uh, in the midst of the work. Number two, we're courageous because he is with us. And number three, courage comes from the heart. And as we have faith, that courage, that good courage arises. I went through and there are a whole list of things in the Psalms that God tells us that we do not have to fear. Number one, we don't have to fear men. There in 27 it said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? In Psalm thirty-one, nineteen, it says, How abundant is God's goodness that he has stored up for those who fear him. And just down a little bit says, He hides them from the plots of men, from the strife of tongues. In Psalm 118, it says, In my distress I prayed to the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is for me. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Yes, the Lord is for me. He will help me. I will look in triumph at those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in people. The fear of man uh, is is a struggle that we deal with 
on a daily basis. Not just fearing some dude that's going to oppose you, uh, but living your life, making decisions because you're fearful about what those around you are going to think or how they're going to respond or what they're going to do when you take a stand to walk in truth and righteousness. Well, the Word of God says, warriors, brothers, men of God, we don't fear man and what man thinks about us. But we take courage because we know that what can man do to us when we have a heavenly Father who is with us? Amen. Number two, there's quite a bit of this in the Psalms. We don't fear sickness. I thought this is kind of applicable given uh, you know, the COVID virus that's kind of uh, we've been dealing with for the last two years. Uh, but in Psalm 91, which is a great psalm to read about God's protection, it says that God will protect us from deadly pestilence, from terror at night, and no plague will come near your tent, and that you will be able to tread on the lion and the adder. We don't live our lives in fear of sickness. We hear, we... we we listen to our doctor, but we hear what God's called us to do, and we do it. And we don't let fear of sickness prevent us from extending the kingdom. This funny story about uh, the first one there says, he protects us from deadly pestilence. Just a quick story on this one. When uh, we were in a, my wife and I stayed in an apartment, uh, just in a transition period between homes, and we stayed there for six months. And we, when we moved out to go to our new house, we've, I've got like basically everything out. The last thing is the headboard. And I'm moving the headboard out, and I look on the back of the headboard, and there's like four or five bugs on the back of this thing. And they were bed bugs. Uh, so we had had all our, our stuff in there, and I started to read about bed bugs. Don't start reading about bed bugs. <laughs> <laughs> so like every night as we're laying in our new house, I'm thinking, yeah, we're about to have a bed bug infestation. And it is, it's terrible if you have read about it. I mean, you basically have to burn your house down. There's no other way. You burn the house down. So I start reading about all these things, and I'm una- literally unable to sleep. And I'm reading through these message boards like, you can get these big heaters and bring them into your home, or you can spray, but it could be bad for kids if you spray and I'm reading down through there, and there's this one dude that posted. And he got, he's like, guys, uh, I know you guys are all freaking out about bed bugs, but you need to read Psalm 91. <laughs> <laughs> and he quotes this, and he says, do not fear the bug that comes at night. And I'm telling you, it brought me courage when I read that. So. We don't fear natural disasters. We just came through an ice storm. We don't fear natural disasters. In Psalm 46, too, it says, Therefore we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. So I love that. We will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea. Number four, we don't fear in the marketplace. We don't fear in, in matters of 
our jobs. We don't fear in matters of, of making money. Uh, we don't fear in matters of producing for the kingdom. In Psalm 49, 5, it says, Why should I fear in times of trouble when the iniquity of those who cheat me surround me, those who trust in their wealth and boast of the abundance of their riches? You know, I'm not, I, I haven't reached like the pinnacle of my career at this point. I'm still at the point where I'm building a career. And man, I have very often that spirit of the world that there are certain expectations of, of what I should be, how much money I should make, um, how far I should progress in my career. Those things, there, there's a spirit of fear among men, because I think a lot of us are kind of somehow taught this idea that our values based on, you know, our ability to bring money uh, into the home. Uh, well, the word of God is very clear. We don't fear, we don't fear that, right? In other places, it says that God owns like everything, and he is our father, and we have access to all of that. We don't fear, we don't make decisions uh, about who we are, about the kingdom, based on being able to make a certain figure at the end of the year. That doesn't, that doesn't, that's not something, that's not a fear that dictates who we are and what we do. We've been liberated from that. To be the men of God who take risks to see his kingdom come, that don't make economic sense. Uh, five, we don't fear politics. Don't you love Psalms 2? It's, I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but you can read verses 1 through 6. It says, the nations are raging. They're taking counsel against the Lord. What does he do? He laughs. He's laughing at all that, and he says that he has set his son, Jesus Christ, on the throne. So we, as the people of God, we establish the kingdom of God, and we don't fear who was elected. We, we do everything we can do to elect godly people, but we don't fear. Our success is not based on the nations raging and this political party coming into power or that political party coming into power. Rodney, we don't worry about Putin. <laughs> we don't worry about it. I worry a little bit about Putin. He's kind of scary. And then um, last, number six, we don't fear death. We don't fear death, right? We know the gospel and, 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 and the truth uh, of what Jesus has done on the cross and how that obliterates uh, the fear of death because we're, we're now his, we're with him forever. And we can face situations not fearing death, but even here in the Psalms, we get prophecies, we get this truth that we don't have to fear about our eternal souls. In 27 verse 14 it says, I believe that I shall look upon the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And then in chapter 16, verses 8, and then later in 10, it says, I won't be shaken. You will not abandon me to Sheol. At your right hand are are pleasures forevermore. See, the psalmist knew that he had a promise that he would be with his father, be with God forever. Death would not separate him from the presence of God. Amen. All right, that's part one.
part two, who do we fear? Man, one of the major issues, I think, with our, the spirit of the age, that with our generation, is that, that men do not fear God. Men don't fear God. What happened to that? What happened to fearing the Lord? I think there's a real spirit in the air that wants to eliminate this sense of fear towards God. And the reason, anytime you sense a movement away from the truth of the Scripture, I always think, I always think about the enemy. That the enemy's behind this. Because there is something really good in the Word of God. And that He wants to move us away from that truth so that, we were, that we're cut off from the health and the beauty and the strength of, of the instruction of the Scripture. The reason that this is such a big problem is that the fear of God is the foundation. Having fear of God is the foundation of a healthy relationship with God. It's critical to your relationship with God that you would walk in fear of Him. That almost sounds weird, like... We live in an age where fear is bad. We shouldn't be motivated by fear. Psalm 111, verse 10, the same, this very same phrase is found both in Isaiah and in Proverbs as well. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Something very foundational, something at the very core of, of our understanding of God and life that comes forth from fearing the Lord. Psalms 19, 9, verse 9, it says, The fear of the Lord is clean. That was slang back then. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever, more to be desired than gold, sweeter than honey. That's the fear of the Lord. To fear God is the natural response to seeing him, who he is in his nature, appropriately invokes a fear in men. And it's healthy, and it's good, it's genuine, it's a proper response to who he is. God is holy, God is powerful, God is mighty, God is awesome, God is beautiful in a magnitude that we can hardly even relate to. And when we interact with things like this, like holiness and power, it should invoke fear inside of us. Don't you hope God is that kind of God? Isn't that the God that you have seen? Is a God that invokes awe? A God that invokes reverence. I looked up the definition of fear kind of in the Strongs. It basically says uh, fear, terror, recognition, revering, honoring, and respecting. All these things kind of make up this idea of having fear of God. Listen to this. In, in Psalms 36.1 it says, Transgression or sin speaks to the wicked 
deep in his heart. There is no fear of God before his eyes. Sin and wickedness dumb down fear of God and who he is. Because men don't want to fear God, they don't want to fear God, they try to escape who he is. They hide from him. And I've noticed that this happens both in kind of in the secular world and in the religious world. Folks that, that aren't in the church, they don't want to walk in fear towards God, so they try to rationalize him away. I think, I think Darwin's theory of whatever macroevolution is a great example of this. In order to, to evade or, or, to, or to protect themselves from the reality of who God is and what the beauty and the power of what he's created, wicked men attempt to rationalize away the existence of God so they don't have to respond to who he really is. Man, if you can, if you can try to explain away or rationalize away the beauty and the complexity of what God has created in the natural world. And so many of them were celebrating when, when Darwin's stuff started getting published because it gave them an out. They no longer had to respond to the reality of who God was. Something similar happens kind of in the religious world too. And maybe it's more devious and maybe it's, it's really what we should be more worried about. But I think there's this attempt to characterize the fear of God as like an old-time religion that's a fear-based. Have you heard that? That's a fear-based religion. I heard from time to time I hear testimonies where people talk about they grew up in church and, and all that God was to them was this just tyrant judge who sits on the throne and judges people. And if you don't do what he wants you to do, He's going to send you to hell and cut you off from the kingdom of God. And then at some point, right, they realized their youth group leader told them, no, that's not who God really is. God loves you. You know, God is this kind, benevolent buddy uh, that wants to be your friend. And he's not going to judge you. And he doesn't really, I mean, he doesn't really care that much about sin. If you, if you sin, that's cool. He's all right with that. He's not holy in that sense. So then they, then they say, and then, you know, that's what really led me to a relationship with God when I realized that my relationship with him wasn't supposed to be based in fear. Well, the, <laughs> the problem with that whole situation is that's not really a God that exists. That's a God that that person prefers uh, and that they've created because it's a God that they are comfortable with. It's really a God that they have created kind of out of their own imagination. And this is maybe the big point that I want to make on this whole thing is that Psalms talks about this too. Like, if you worship a God that you have created, one, you're not worshiping the maker of heaven and earth, but two, you're going to become like the God that you're worshiping. Psalm tells us that. You become like the God that you're worshiping. And if you've turned God into this soft, loving, unfearful, unjudging thing, 
blob, that's what you're going to become like. You're going to become soft. You're going to become weak. You're going to become effeminate. You're not going to walk in power. You're not going to walk in holiness. You're going to become like the God that you created. But, on the other hand, if you look into the true representation of who God is in the Scriptures, the awesome, powerful, holy, mighty judge of heaven and earth, if you worship that God that you do not control, that God that you do not define, you will become like him. I didn't even really bring up the whole feminist movement. It's, it's scorching the earth of any notion of masculine strength. So, I mentioned the scripture. I'm going to move quickly now, so you guys can have a chance to add some stuff. Why do we fear God? Number one, He is the ultimate judge. He, this is what the psalm says, He is the ultimate judge. He judges. He has the authority to judge whether something is good or whether something is evil. He has the authority to judge you and you, and you, and you, and say, is this man one of my men? Or is this man one of my enemies? He makes that call. No one else does. God is the judge. Psalm 119, 120, My flesh trembles for fear of you, and I am afraid of your judgments. Psalm 76, 8, From hell, From the heavens you uttered judgment. The earth feared and was still. Psalm 75, 6-8 For not from the east or the west, and not from the wilderness comes lifting up, but it is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup with foaming wine well mixed, and he pours out from it and all the wicked of the earth shall drain it down to the dregs. There's an authority that God has over all creation. And he will ultimately judge every man and every woman. And that is a very fearful thing. Because you cannot coerce him. You cannot manage him. You cannot dictate to him. It's a good thing that we have a good God, isn't it? It's a good thing that he is a good God. Number two, he destroys his enemies. Okay? God destroys his enemies. He is a good king. He is building a good kingdom. And the people that come against that, he destroys them. That's both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament. He destroys the enemies of God. Psalm 47, 2. The Lord Most High is to be feared because he subdues peoples and nations. In 97, 3, listen to this. A fire goes before him and burns up his adversaries. The mountains melt like wax before the presence of the Lord. 
Number three, he's to be feared for his glory and his power and his might. The very nature of who God is and his strength and his power and his might is an awesome thing. Psalm 89, 6 and 7. Who in the skies can be compared to the Lord? Who among the heavenly beings is like the Lord? A God greatly to be feared in the counsel of the holy ones and awesome above all who are around him. O Lord of hosts, who is as mighty as you are. 89.13 You have a mighty arm, strong as your hand. 96.4 For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. And then in verse 6 of 96, Splendor and majesty are before him, strength and beauty. Number four, God is to be feared for his holy presence. Get this sense in the Psalms that God is completely holy, otherworldly other than us, perfect, without blemish. And, and, and just being in the presence, in his holy presence, is terrifying because he is so good, so perfect, so set apart. Psalms 5-7 Evil may not dwell with you. The boastful shall not stand before your eyes. I will bow down to your holy temple with fear. There's a sense of just, just coming into the presence of God and in his temple, the place where he abodes, that it causes you to bow down in fear of the awesomeness of his holiness. 24.3, who shall stand in his holy place? In 1.14 it says, we tremble at the presence of the Lord. Number five, we fear God in his anger and his wrath. Psalm 7.11 says, God is angry with the wicked every day. 76.7 says, It is you alone who are to be feared. Who can stand before you when you are angry? God is passionate about who he is and his kingdom. And when people oppose that, he has an emotion called anger that rises up in him. When people attempt to destroy his love and his goodness. Number six, I love this one. He has created everything. God is to be feared because of the awesome creation. Psalm 33, 8 and 9. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants stand in awe of him. For he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. His word made the heavens. His breath made the host. He gathers up waters and puts them in storehouses. In 89 verse 9 it says, God, you rule the seas. You founded the earth. You created the north and the south. Amen. What a, what a magnificent God. I want, to, I want to see him in these things. I want to experience the reality of who he is and wonder in his awesome power.
we're out of time. So what I want to do is I'm going to run real quick. It's not just an experience to fear God, but the fear of God creates character in you. The Psalms talks a lot about what the fear of God does to you. If you walk in fear of Him, there are some awesome promises. First, the fear of the Lord leads to worship. Psalm 22-23 You who fear the Lord, praise Him, glorify Him, stand in awe of Him. We were made to worship God. Number two, the fear of the Lord leads to knowing God and becoming His friend. Psalms 25.14 says this, The friendship of the Lord is for those who fear Him. He makes known His covenant to Him. When you, when you walk in fear of God, He draws you in to like the special place where He reveals things to you. Number three, fear of the Lord brings spiritual protection. Psalm 34, 7. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. Number four, when we fear, we have provision. Also in 34, then, then two verses down in nine. Those who fear the Lord have no lack, even though the young lions suffer want, right? The most prowess, strong animals suffer want. The people who fear God, they are taken care of. And then last, number five, fear of the Lord brings salvation. Psalms 85.9 says, salvation is near to those who fear the Lord. Amen? Amen. Awesome. Okay, so what I've, I'll have these verses for you, but just this is just... What, what, is it, what does the Psalms tell us about fear? And number one, it is, you guys, we, we are warriors. And God has given us a very awesome task. Uh, and we can do it without fear when we are close to Him. I, man, I hope my son. I'm excited that he is seeing what fear is. The other thing that I notice about my son, this is a little different than Laurel, is that he sizes people up, too. Uh, he asked me, he met my buddy Jameer, who's a, who's a uh, football uh, player from UK, and he always, he, Jameer is like the standard of strength and fear. <laughs> uh, but my son, you know, he, he sizes people up. Uh, and he knows it what it is to fear. And he knows what it is to conquer. And we, as the, as the men in the kingdom of God, have been called to walk in strength and in courage, in good courage, because of our faith in God. And I believe there's going to be some awesome, difficult challenges that we face together and that we're going to walk in courage in. But maybe more important than that is this idea of fearing God. Um, it's something that, that's been lost in our generation, to walk in true wonder and awe 
an inspiration of who our God is. Um, And I hope that as we grow closer to him, as we come to know him deeper, our fear of him only grows. Uh, That we can walk in a sense uh, of reverence and honor and terrible fear for the power and the holiness and the glory and the beauty and the strength of who our God is. And I hope to learn some of that from you as you see the power of God's hand move in your life and in the lives of people around you. Amen? Amen. All right. Uh, thoughts on this idea or anything else? Helmet.
On the other side, too, if you lose that deer, like if you genuinely knew that this was a tame bear, this, for some reason the bear has been broken, whatever happened to this bear in its life, it is not dangerous anymore. It loses all its interest. Like, that's not an interesting bear to be around. I really don't want to hang out with that bear. It's just, <laughs> it's not really a bear. It's not scary. There's nothing cool about this. Like, I can just take this bear over. <laughs> beginning that you opened up with until the very end. I'm trying to figure, you know, this has kind of been percolating for about a year with me. <laughs> um, my, my phrase that I've been using for the last year is God the creator. You know, God of creation, God the creator, because it, it, all of a sudden, it, I don't know, it just kind of came up that that, that insignificant us and God the creator um, and so that phrase has just been in me when I'm talking to you God the creator awesome. um, who, who are we um, and then but then the fear of the Lord um, I don't understand that part yet um, I was thinking I was driving the, just the other day I don't know what probably with Psalms everything in Psalms and the thought occurred you know that occurred to me is I don't understand the fear of the Lord and the fatherhood of God those things are are being able to come into the presence of the Lord without fear with just that welcoming that that we have because of what Christ did. Yeah. And then on the other side, the fear of the Lord. It's it's I, I don't I know it I, I know it's there. I don't get it yet. Yeah. I'm trying to, uh, but it's been you know probably for the last at least twelve months, and I don't I don't study stuff. I haven't sat down and go okay I'm going to figure this out. Uh, it might be a good thing. Uh, <laughs> usually it takes me, my wife will tell you, Melissa will tell you, it takes me a long time to get to a decision on some things. Um, so I really appreciate what, what, you, what, you, what you shared with us today. Um, 
Um, in that in that in that very first scripture in Matthew. Yeah. Um, I don't. I think I understand pretty good the fatherhood of God. Yeah. Um, I, I, I feel free um, in the presence of the Lord. I don't, I don't, I don't have, I, I, there's that God, the creator who will, yeah. and I'm done. Yeah. Um, so when you get it, just send me your notes. <laughs> um, um, yeah, God the Creator, and um, and what you shared about Darwin, you know, that's kind of been my philosophy for years. Is those who deny the existence of God are those who don't want to recognize God. Yeah. Then you've got to, then you got to deal with Him. Yeah. Um, so it's it's you know maybe five ten years from now I'll figure that out. But I, um, the fear of the Lord is uh, I'm I understand God the Creator and that fear of who He is all around us and all around me. Yeah. Um, but I'm I, I don't get I don't I don't have it yet. But I like it. Amen. Yeah, I don't. I don't fully have it yet either. Understanding both of those, uh, Rodney. He's gonna. He's gonna explain it right here. Oh, no, it's okay. I'm gonna share this thought that this is one of my favorite verses about having fear and using that fear to obey God. And it's in Hebrews eleven six. It says, "And without faith." It's Possible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By faith, Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, constructed an ark for the saving of his household, and by this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. Mm. And I remember. In high school, when I read that, and he was moved with reverent fear, just like jumped off the page at me. Mm. I was like, wow. So, the gift of fear of God, and all that you read through the Psalms and the Proverbs that you just shared, moved Noah to be obedient and build the ark for the saving of his family and everything around him. And that's just, that's, good. that's probably my favorite scripture example of how we should live with. Yeah. It's good. We're all going to be in Rodney's Ark when we play. <laughs> <laughs> Rodney and Darren's Ark. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's interesting that fatherhood and fear are like hard for you guys to put together. Because I think the very first godly fear in all of our lives is going to be your dad. You should be scared of your dad. Helen is scared of me. And I don't try to assuage that. I want her to be scared. I want her to know that she's going to love her, but I also want her to be scared of me. Yeah. Not that she thinks I'm going to seriously actually hurt her, but like, you know that when you were wrong and mom was around, uh, you were trying to get away with it. But when dad was around, there was a whole other level of, oh shoot, 
That's the fear part that he doesn't have yet. He still he does not understand. Yeah. Still working on that. <laughs> no, yeah. So initially they learned just because you're much stronger than them. And they're testing their strength and they're well aware, at least until they're a little older, that like you can best them. It's like not a competition. You can try you can just crush it. but later on, like some part of that fear is supposed to be, I think, that like you are the holder of the household. Like who is in the household and who's out of the household. You are the key. You are the keeper of those keys. You can decide. No, you cross the line and you're out. Or yes, forgiveness and acceptance is still here, and there's a way for you back into the family when wrong happens. Um, and I'm sure that somewhere, I mean, you probably don't want to contemplate it, but there's something that those kids could do down the road that that would cross a red line. They can no longer be part of the family. Hmm. And that's something to be Tom- scared of. Thomas. You know, I love the way that C.S. Lewis just describes uh, God through the example of Aslan. He's not a tame lion. You know, I, I think a lot of the things that we've done in modern Christianity is to, to, to have a familiarity with God mm-hmm. that puts it at, at risk not really fearing him, uh, not recognizing he's not a tame lion. Yeah. And uh, I, I think that, you know, human examples, that the men that I respect the most, High school and my younger years were men that I really appreciated and trusted, but I was a little afraid of them because I knew what I was about. And because, yeah, because they weren't, well, because they needed to be feared. They had, they had, uh, they had um, a place in my life uh, that I didn't respect that and understand that and, uh, and really respond accordingly. So, I, you know, I think that idea of Mm-hmm. Kurt? Um, I was just thinking about when the disciples uh, asked Jesus to teach us to pray. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, he said, this is this is how we approach God. It's our Father mm-hmm. who is up in heaven. And I think someone came through years ago and taught that that word, that whole concept of who, who is in heaven is that he sits on the throne. Mm-hmm. So there's that, that both side. You know, yeah. He's our father, but he's also, you know, he's the boss. He's the yeah. ruler of the universe. And I think that we have to have that healthy perspective of both. You know, mm-hmm. if you have one, then you think God's a sugar daddy. And if you think, and if you think of the other way, then you're just going to think he's going to send everybody to hell. Right? Mm-hmm. And I think the enemy, if you look back, you know, um, from the beginning with Adam and Eve, the devil started from the beginning messing that whole thing up. God said, hey, we're going to live an awesome life. You can eat from all these trees, but don't eat from this one, which we all know from, you know, Billy's thought, it's independence. And if you eat from the one tree of independence, if you eat from it, you're going to die. Well, the first thing the devil comes in and says, oh, man, you, 
you can't, you know, you can't have all this. And by the way, you're not going to die. So the first thing he's doing is, is messing with people and getting them not to fear God. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, that, and that, I think, you know, somehow that's what we have, how we have to communicate the gospel. That there's a loving God, but he's also, like you said, the judge. And, you know, we've got to have that healthy perspective and we have to know it so we can, we can share it with, with, uh, with everybody. But the last thing is, I just, I'm thinking about Joshua and Caleb. Mm-hmm. You know, they were two of the 12 spies, right? Yeah. And they went in and checked everything out. And they're like, God's with us, man. We can take this. Amen. Right? Yeah. And the other 10 were scared to death. And they had the evil heart of unbelief. But those two dudes, I think they knew God. I think they had the proper perspective of who God was. And they were able to go into the land. And I think that's what God wants us to do, right? Yeah. I mean, it's not just that we know God and have a great relationship with him. But we go in and take the land that God yeah. wants us to have. And uh, that's, that's who we need to be. You know, We need to get that we got to get this right, you know, yeah. because there's a lot at stake, you know, for, yeah. the, for our country, for our family, for us, you know, for our community, for the state, you know, all that stuff. So. Yeah. Ben? I think the misunderstanding of the fear of God has to do with um, that uh, to, to be able to relate to God, we have to believe that he's not as spiritual as he's Mm-hmm. And it's really making God into all the bad examples of authority figures that we experience in our lives. Yeah. But the gospel really is, no, he is actually that powerful and actually way more than we could even imagine. Um, but he's good. Yeah. That's what they say about Adam. No, he's not tame. Not a tame one. But he's good. And that's really what the gospel is. There's nuclear power. But listen, you have the opportunity <laughs> to not be in the scope of the missile, but to be in the city that's powered by that nuclear power. It's the same power. Mm-hmm. But it's it's directed in a way that it gives life and and will destroy the enemy. Right? That's the other thing about the fear of God. Who do you want fighting for? Who do, you want, who do you want fighting your enemies? The God that you can buddy up with? Or the God that makes you fall to your face? Because if he makes you fall to your face, he can make other people fall to their face or oppose him. And so it's not really negotiating with the fearfulness of God as much as it is embracing his goodness. Mm-hmm. All of that power and all of that holiness and purity is totally good. And that's where I think fatherhood is the key and to, to understanding the Dad's no less powerful. I mean, he'll take down an intruder or someone that's harming your mother or siblings faster than you can imagine. That you'll see wrath that you <laughs> didn't even believe. Um, and that the, it's not that when he tucks you in bed at night and hugs you and then keeps you, talks you down to the monsters in the closet. He's no less powerful. He's no less capable of total uh, mayhem on, on the, those that, that ruin his household and intrude into his household. It's that he's, he's good. And so the fact that that amount of power and force mm. um, 
is the fear of God that, that draws us to the magnetism. Mm-hmm. And it's also funny that when people respond in fear and terror, often the first thing they hear from the representative of God or from God himself is fear not. Yeah. Right? And it's the ones that, that fall down on their face before Jesus. He says, no, get up. You need to be healed. Right? But it's the ones that are flippant that end up going away without knowing God. Go away to the destruction. Yeah, like, that's a touch in the dark. And that powerful. Mm. It was real. Maybe I had to reevaluate, reevaluate some things after that for a little while. Yeah. Well, who is this guy? I can worship him and praise him and write these wonderful psalms, but man, he just zapped my friend for touching the ark. Mm-hmm. What is that about? But he's good. And uh, that doesn't diminish his power at all. So somehow we have to we have to capture that in the way that we teach people about God. Uh, we can't diminish his power to make him more approachable. That ends up actually separating people more from God. Separating us from yeah. What do you think? Sorry. Uh, yeah, go Dan. And then, who's back there that's raising their hand? Greg? All right, Dan and Greg. Not to beat a dead horse, but um, <laughs> one of the... I was just thinking of... Has everyone seen the movie The Christmas Story? The Christmas Story? You know how, like, um, when Ralphie beats up the bully and, like, she's like, what's well, your dad gets home? And the kid's like, Dad, he's going to kill Ralphie. You know, like, he's really afraid of his dad. Uh, but I love, like, how his dad's the one that gives him the BB gun. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like he, like, that's just, like, that kind of, like, that's just, like, a good in my mind. Like, whenever that moment happens, it's, like, very touching. I don't know. It's, like, more special because it's from his dad. Yeah. And I, anyways, there's just, like, an illustration of everything everyone's saying in my head, I guess. I yeah. just always love that part of the yeah. That's all I want. Great. So, what I think I'm Terrible picture. Yeah, terribly that, good. That's the most lovely. Yeah. 
coming first on the cross. Yeah. All right. Well, praise the Lord. Um, I'm glad to be in it with you guys. And uh, it's just really exciting to get to know God, the real true God uh, and who he is. I don't think we have it all figured out. Um, Like Kent says, we're coming to know him in a deeper way uh, and who he truly is. And so praise God for the word. Uh, Anybody want to close us in prayer this morning? I have it on your heart to pray over us. You're a volunteer. I'll pray. Thanks, Kurt. Uh, Father, you are God, and God, you are our Father. And uh, Father, I just pray that you mm. give us the, the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of who you are. Father, I just pray that the uh, the lies that the enemy may have planted in any of our hearts, God, that you would uh, uh, erase them. Father, that you would just fill us up with your spirit and fill, fill our minds up with the truth about yes, who you God. are. Father, what you want us to do, who you want us to be. And Father, that, um, that we would be uh, those conquerors, God, that you want us to, to be, God. Mm-hmm. Father, that we would know you. And, uh, Father, that uh, we would see this land filled with your glory. Uh, God, we thank you that you're our helper, too. And we ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.